Hello and welcome back to our Not Just Bot podcast. I'm Dan, your Vice President of Education and Welfare, and today we're here with our Student Engagement Manager, Tiffany Burnett. Tiff, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey Dan, thank you for having me. Yeah, so my name's Tiff and as Dan said, I'm the Student Engagement Manager here at Winchester Student Union. Um, I'm also the Deputy Returning Officer for the Student Union elections, um, which is why I'm here today on today's special podcast, because we've got an election special um, candidate Q&A with all of the candidates running for election this year. Brilliant. So could you tell us a little bit more about the elections? Of course. So um, our student union officer elections um, gives all of you as students kind of the opportunity to elect the officers who will lead the student union for next academic year. So 2023-2024 um, and represent you all as students to the university and beyond. Um, so in this year's elections, we have three full time paid sabbatical officer positions available. So that's for the student union president role, vice president education and welfare and vice president activities and services. Um, and we also have our part-time student officer positions um, and in this election we have four seats available for student officer. And it is just so important that you do cast your vote so make sure you head on over to our website winchesterstudents.co.uk forward slash vote to cast your vote uh, before the ballot closes at 3 p.m on Friday the 3rd of March. Um, all voters will be in a chance of winning £100 and if we reach 20% turnout we'll be bringing a free ice cream van onto campus um, in May to celebrate so please do have your say and vote in the elections. Yes, as Dan said, it's so, so important. Um, and you guys can all check your uni mail email. Um, so that's where you will have all received a direct link to cast your vote. Um, it means you don't have to log in. You literally just click the link. And that's definitely the quickest and by far the easiest way to vote um, and be in with a chance of winning that £100. Um, yeah, so as we mentioned, today on the podcast, we do have our candidate Q&A session. Um, so with each of your candidates in the elections this year, um, just giving them the opportunity to answer questions which have been pre-submitted by our members through our Ask a Candidate online form or drawn from our Union Big Survey. It's also really important to note that our elections are undertaken using the single transferable voting system. So this means that when you vote, you'll be able to rank the candidates in order of your preference. So it's really important to think not just about who your favourite candidate is when you're voting in each election, but also who your second preference, your third or your fourth preference is, depending on which election you're voting in. We also have Ron standing as a candidate in each of our elections. Um, Ron stands for reopen nominations and you can also choose to vote for that um, in each election. So it's over to you and all of the candidates Tiff for the candidate Q&A session. Before we begin the speeches, here are the candidates running for president this year. So we have Charlotte Baker and we also have Ron who's running as a valid candidate in all of our elections. This stands for reopen nominations and you can choose to vote for Ron as your first or second preference in this election. So Charlotte, your first question this evening is, how will you ensure that students know about the student union and the work it does to support, engage and represent them? And what can be done to better connect with students? Um, so I think this is something that I'm kind of covering my manifesto um, for this election, um, which is student voice and communication. I think um, more can be done to reach students in different ways, whether that be kind of social media, whether that be with a newsletter, whether that just be, get, be going out and talking to more students on campus and kind of getting their raw feedback then. Um, and equally, I think there's the whole thing again about having a kind of like um, an open door policy, making sure students can come and speak to you about any kind of issue that they're experiencing. Um, 
So I think that's the main kind of ways is making sure that um, the union has a vast varieties of ways of feeding back, um, but different ways that might suit different students. Um, and I think that kind of second bit and what can be done to better connect with students, I think is about reaching out. Um, I think something that a lot of people have been guilty of before is kind of um, letting students come to them, whereas I think it's important that we kind of like go out and we talk to them. That's something that I want to do um, and make sure, making sure I'm getting that raw student feedback. Lovely, thank you. So how will you work to engage and represent all student demographics across all areas of the union? So not just your typical full-time undergraduate student aged kind of between 18 and 21? So this is kind of going off the back of what I just said in terms of um, getting the feedback in different ways because then you can kind of, the more feedback you receive about what different people are experiencing, the more you can kind of act on that. Um, so I think there's that. There's also acknowledging that I'm not, um, I'm no longer a student either so and I wouldn't have been a student for two years um, if I was to be re-elected so um, I think it's important that you kind of acknowledge um, that times have changed and that there's different cohorts want different things um, so that's the main thing I think is about making sure the students feel they can come and talk to you about what they've experienced and what they want to change um, but this is also something that I really wanted to work on um, this year in my first term as president um, um, in with I introduced One Winchester, which is a kind of online portal community, which is about representing the Winchester community as a whole. Um, and there's definitely there's stuff in my manifesto about um, increasing the work of that. And hopefully that includes and that will include doing more kind of outreach with different demographics, um, making sure that everyone feels represented and part of the one community in Winchester. Thank you. So your next question um, has been submitted to us by a creative writing student um, who wants to know how will you support disabled students during your time in office and how will you ensure that this support continues after you leave? This is something that's really interesting because when I first came to Winchester, so I, um, God, I went, I looked at um, the campus in like 2018, 2017, 2018. And obviously the biggest thing about Winchester is it's on a hill. Um, it's not the most accessible place ever um, and I think that everyone can realise that it's a beautiful, beautiful campus but it isn't accessible and it's more kind of like what more can we be doing to make it as accessible as possible um, and at the time with I was with my mum who was in a wheelchair and there's something that I noticed as a, um, a student was that I was acknowledging the fact that this is a difficult place to um, move around so I completely understand my privilege there that I um, that I'm not a disabled student so I don't know what that feels like so I'd love to hear from students about what they need and what they can um, what even little steps would help them support them um, so I think that's my biggest thing is about creating some sort of um, feedback forum or type form or just something that people can submit whether that's something that's incorporated into one Winchester to help support students on kind of uh, things that they might be struggling with there's obviously there's the bigger stuff that's like more structural that can be changed but there's also lots of probably of smaller things and um, just maybe the way that um, certain things can be done just to make life a little bit easier for those students um, but obviously I would love to hear um, so that I can bring it up to a, um, other powers in the university and make some changes. Lovely thank you. So your next question is the cost of living crisis will continue to affect students in the coming year. How will you support students facing cost barriers? So um, when I came into office um, last year um, in July, um, it was me that was straight away saying to the university, what are we going to be doing about this? Because I could see um, from kind of looking at the section that this is something that was really going to start to affect students. Um, and then um, it was kind of myself and fellow officers lobbying um, the university to get some information out to students about what they were doing. Um, and then this year, obviously, um, as a student union, we've done um, stuff like um, 
the cost of living hub and the bookcase which is something that um, i helped to create um, as well as i've introduced clothes drives um so there's already a lot that i've already done um but the, in my manifesto my main first bullet point is about doing more for that so i'd like to get more money back into students pockets um i'd like to um keep i'm um, championing and pushing for lower costs across the board um i've also um done some other work that i'd like to finalize and finish um I'd like to do more regionally and nationally um, towards what um, I can learn and also that I can do to help students um, more nationally with cost of living, um, as well as work with forums like NUS um, to make sure that um, I'm putting my voice in as a student leader to get more for students. Um, and also I'd love to set up um, a, a cost of living task force next year um, so that students um, and the university staff can all come together and share like what maybe things that we might not have thought of before that are affecting students in ways that we can support with that. Excellent. Thank you, Charlotte. So the next question is kind of a scenario. So you've just come out of a meeting where you've advocated for students in relation to an increase in, in emergency support funding. You feel that this is a vital issue for students. However, it does seem unlikely that this is going to move forward. What are your next steps? Um, so I think firstly is acknowledging is it really the end of the line here like I think looking and basically saying right okay maybe this bit's not working but who else can I go to who can I kind of because I think that's part of it it's part of thinking it's not just a one and done you if you think it's vital then keep pushing for it um, and then if it really is a end of the story then I think then it's more about okay like what smaller steps can I make to maybe go towards this or help support students in another way so say if it was funding then look at what funding already exists and how that could be used and how that could be rolled out in a different way um, I think it's really important to not just drop something and um, it's important to keep kind of pushing and going for it if that's what you feel that students need lovely so next up what will you do to further the union's environmental and sustainability work um so Obviously, I've kind of mentioned, I think a sustainability ties a lot into cost of living, um, which is great. Um, and I'd like to do more kind of in terms of like car boot sale kind of stuff. So I um, helped introduce and introduce clothes drive this year, but I'd like to do more maybe about like hobby drive or like a book swap. I'm um, just more stuff about people sharing their different things. Um, so that's one thing. I also in my manifesto, I've written that I'd like to introduce sustainability sessions. So this is kind of similar to the cost of living forum. It's a way of creating group twice a semester where students can come together and share maybe um, sustainable or environmental practices that they've um, seen or things that they'd like us to do, um, whether they're at the union or the university. And then we can cre create a list of recommendations to the university of what they could be doing. Um, we can put costs, um, kind of what that would um, mean. Um, and that just means that we're making little sustainable efforts um, and more so, especially as we're on such a beautiful campus. How will you make it easier for students to speak up and be heard? <clears throat> I think this kind of goes back to the first question, which is about um, communication and outreach. Um, I think it's important that you go to those students and that they feel comfortable to come to you. It's about having that open door policy um, that students feel that they can come to their president and they can say anything that they need to say. Um, <clears throat> Sorry, I think it's also just about um, understanding the union. I think that's something that really it needs to be pushed in the early part of the semester about understanding the union, what it does, what it can do for you as students, um, signposting them to correct places. Um, and also, I think it's like using schemes that are already in place, like um, with the student um, academic rec scheme, and making sure the students fully understand um, how that kind of works and that they can be represented through that, but that they also, as president, I'm elected as one of their leaders and that they can come to me about anything. So I think that kind of ties into the first question about getting the feedback and the student voice and communication all kind of in tandem. 
Lovely. So your last question this evening, Charlotte, what do you consider to be the most pressing need in terms of the student experience right now? And how do you plan on addressing it? Um, so I think there's a few things. Firstly, there's obviously the cost of living crisis, which I think is just going to continue and maybe even transform in different ways for students next year. So I think it's about working on that and doing more for that. We are a smaller university, but that doesn't mean that we can't um, do more for students. Um, so I think that's one thing. And also learning how that kind of is going to affect students in different ways. Um, the second thing I think is student loneliness as well. This is something that I think starts kind of early when you come to Winchester in terms of um, when you first come to university, you have that freshers week. It's like everything. And then it kind of dies off a bit. So I think it's about keeping that up. And I want to work with the university on that uh, with their transition program to make sure that they're keeping that up. Um, and then the other thing I think is student engagement and student isolation. Um, creating those memories and those friendships. I think this is possibly something that's been post-COVID, that um, there is that anxiety there. So helping to support students and how we can get them involved as much in university life as possible so they can get the most out of it. Lovely. So that brings us to for the candidate questions in the election of student union president. So thank you very much um, to Charlotte and thank you for watching part one of our candidate Q&A online. Um, thanks also to everyone who submitted questions in advance. If your question wasn't answered, we have posted a link to Charlotte's candidate page in the comments of this video, so you can find out more from her there and check out her, man her manifesto for more. So next up, we have your Vice President Education and Welfare candidates. So the Q&A session this evening will give candidates an opportunity to answer questions which have all been either pre-submitted by our members through our Ask a Candidate online form or drawn from our Union Big Survey. So before we start the speeches, here are all of the candidates running for the role of Vice President Education and Welfare this year. So we have Tannis Best, Sal Fox, and we also have Ron running as a candidate in all of our elections. This stands for reopen nominations, and you can choose to vote for Ron as your first, second or third preference in this election. So for the Q&A, the order for candidates to answer the questions has been chosen at random. Um, so candidates, your first question is, what do you consider to be the most pressing need in terms of student welfare, and how do you plan on addressing it? So first of all, Sal, if you could answer that question. Um, I would say probably um, student safety and students' physical well-being. Um, it's easy to think of Winchester as a, being like a, quite a small, safe city, but there are issues that we do need to highlight to students when they first arrive on campus. Um, and I think um, providing advice on gu and guidance for new students um, on sort of how they keep, can keep themselves safe around campus, and also if they have any concerns about new, um, new arising issues, um, that we have an open, safe space for students to come and just to freely say if there are any risks they feel um, whether this be around the city or whether this be um, events that are held on campus. Um, I feel that uh, physical um, well-being connects so closely to mental health well-being, uh, which I say is like the second, um, but obviously not as less important, they're still both the same. Um, but the impact that this can give on students' mental health um, can shape their entire university experience. Um, obviously, the most important thing being um, the students' education, their degrees, the reason they come to university, um, as it's uh, found through surveys that the most common reason for students to drop out or to finish their studies early is through students' mental health. So I feel that creating a physically safe environment, um, a place where students' mental health is 
nourished, looked after, um, will provide us with a successful rate of students who are deciding that actually this is my safe space, this is where I need to be, this is where my education is going to be flourished. Thank you, Sal. Tanis? I, I completely agree with what Sal is saying. Um, physical safety is so important, especially sort of in the last like year or so. Um, I want to add on about the mental health because I do believe mental health is on the rise, especially with cost of living and very distressing things in the media as well and the rise of media use. Um, how I would like to address it is to promote our wellbeing services at the uni and um, the advice centre. Um, just so students don't feel alone in this, we completely know how they feel and they don't have to hide it or sit in silence about it. Um, and going on from this, maybe putting on like with the recharge days, adding on special things with it, or maybe even adding therapy dogs as a special event. So they can just come up to like the lounge, the terrace bar, just have like an hour or so with some dogs, um, just so it's just a serotonin boost and they feel happier in themselves. Lovely. So candidates, your next question is, how will you work to engage and represent all student demographics and underrepresented student groups within the education and welfare zones, ensuring all students are heard and valued? Tanis, if you could start us off. Of course. Um, I mean, I would like to do special focus groups um, just to get a real understanding of their needs and what they want out of the union and the university, because as someone who I don't consider myself from an underrepresented group, I don't totally understand and I don't think it's very fair for me to say they need this, they need that, because I'm coming from a completely different place that they are. So I think even if in these focus groups they want different events in the vault or um, even new activities during Freshers, like the Freshers Week, um, I just think that'd be so crucial just to get their input. Um, yeah, just because I, I can't speak for them. Thanks, Tanis. Sal, what's your response to that question? Um, I agree exactly with everything that Tanis is saying. I think when, when we're um, providing a space um, where students know that they're supported in these focus groups, that's an idea that I also have. Um, but then to also have follow up sessions from these groups so that students know that they're not just giving their opinions and then it's just out into the air and it's just there, it's and it's going to be lost. I feel like when we have these groups there needs to be updates there needs to be contact that's the most important thing when students know that things are getting done when they're getting the results that they can see then they feel like they're going to be the ones like represented um again like tanis i can't really speak for underrepresented students um so i feel like where students feel that there are gaps to be filled um they can be the ones to speak out and have a voice and be um and have trust in us that changes are going to be made if they feel that they are underrepresented. Lovely, thanks Sal. So your next question is submitted from a PhD student um, who wants to know specifically how will you represent voices from postgraduate research students? Sal, if you could start us off. Um, I think that the Rooted in Research um, scheme that we have going on at the moment where um, postgraduate research students can come in and they can give feedback, they can discuss their projects and they also receive a little plotted part, little plotted part, that's difficult to say, um, and when they when they have little events like that I feel like that's just like it shows the warming community 
of Winchester and how we feel that everyone's like voices do need to be heard. But I do think this needs to be expanded further um, by taking any feedback that they have directly higher. Um, obviously, they can feel like being a PGR student is quite a lonely experience. They can feel quite on their own. They're quite individual because they are just sort of push the boat out a little bit. Sort of this is your own research. But if they feel like that they're like their journey even though it's as unique as it is if they feel if they have connections through other students and if they have the opportunities for like anything that they need to get changed um if they have that trust in us that things can be taken higher like directly as soon as issues arise then I feel like they're going to feel even closer to the student experience um even if they don't necessarily feel like sort of average student um that we have um but I feel like it's really important that they do um and that there isn't just your average student everyone's one and everyone's like together as cheesy as it sounds and Tannis um, no, that is completely the thing. I completely agree. Um, Winchester should feel like a community. Um, when you, even if you're a postgrad, undergrad, it should be that community feeling for anyone coming in. Um, so I completely agree with the points Sal has made. Um, one of the points I would like to add um, is like the events, like the Rooted in Research, maybe once a month have a space, maybe the, the um, learning cafe or anywhere. Um, we kind of bring the postgrad students in and offer them a hot drink, coffee, and a place where they can chat with our advisor or just so they can speak about their worries so they still feel included because I know it can be a stressful time for them and to feel isolated would not help with that, that stress. So if we can build a community for them as well so they still feel involved. Thank you, candidates. Um, so your next question is, how will you ensure that our stars, so our student academic representatives, are effectively trained and supported throughout the academic year to represent student views? Tanis. Of course. Um, so I will take the stars feedback from this academic year and in turn work out a training um, scheme for them so we can train them alongside the feedback and if they have any thoughts for the new academic year. Um, looking at key points um, from the feedback previously, um, looking at how holding the universities high standards for assessments and assignments, um, and also how we can go back to that community feeling of um, PhD students, commuting students, how can we get them involved as well? Um, also, I would like to work with the STARS on reducing bullying and toxicity on courses, especially with the rise of anonymous um, Instagrams where people can put thoughts and really nasty things about other students. I just would like to work on the stars and how we can train them to see things in their classes, with their cohort and their classmates and how we can provide a safer community for them. Thanks, Tannis. Um, Sal, what's your response to that question? Um, I completely agree with everything that Tanis has said. Um, in terms of like the stars training, I feel like from the start, making sure that they are as fun and collaborative as possible. Um, obviously, being a star is quite a big responsibility, um, especially if you're a first year student coming in, you're just getting to grips with the university experience. And now you feel like you have a little bit of responsibility surrounding your course. Um, and but just showing them the importance of like the voice that they have and sort of not letting any of them sort of slip through the cracks and making them feel like, you know, their opinions that they have in their courses won't matter. So like sort of them thinking, why would I give that if it don't think if it, they don't, don't think it matters? Um, 
and also expanding like the reward system that's in place. Um, I know we're quite prone to giving out sort of like freebies with hoodies for their work, um, but expanding this by with with the um, like the social events, making sure that they're as sort of collaborative as possible, um, and that the feedback systems that we have in place are concrete, and that the trainings that we have as well, um, as Tanis mentioned, with the um, with like the bullying issues that we have, um, anonymous uh, forms pages online, um, and just sort of mitigating these from the start and just saying that anything that comes up with these sort of things, how you discuss this with students, how if people are having um, situations happening with this on their courses, how um, stars can approach this when they're approached by the students and just, yeah, and just showing them just how rewarding um, their work can be as a star. Thanks both. So your next question this evening is, how can we continue to grow awareness of and access to our Student Union Advice Centre, ensuring that students know the support available and how to access it? Sal, if you could start us off. Um, so I think for me personally, when I first started as a student, um, I knew fairly sort of soon what the advice centre was. I knew sort of, um, you know, I, well, I, I knew that you know it existed and I saw sort of logos and campaigning around it and so the actual branding of it itself was incredible but I feel like for me there was also always that fear of sort of approaching it um, and sort of taking steps further if needed um, so I feel like more than just it being a brand it needs it, there needs to be like more detail uh, when it comes to advertising of sort of what it offers uh, yes we have um, like sort of the categories surrounding sort of like well you sort of you see you see the advertising surrounding like well-being advice you see education and it's just kind of great but what advice do they offer is it going to be a system because I feel like some students can feel like in systems like that in place they can go to and they just get you know advice that's just going to be a bit washed over um a bit sort of oh just try your best kind of thing um but no we need us we need like systems in place where students are you know ready and open to receive sort of advice on changes um, that they could um, like potentially look at um, and just yeah ways that they can expand their student experience. Um, one of the main uh, things around this I think is surrounding like the cost of living crisis. Um, I think with the changes in the maintenance loan that we're going to see coming through I feel like the advice centre is going to see quite a few calls for um, advice on um, how to sort of help your maintenance loan how to make it stretch further and so that can be we can have sort of like um like themed sort of like focused times on like different events um sort of surrounding like oh this week we're going to look at ways to spread the cost of your maintenance loan this week we're going to look at sort of maybe you know advice on how to do a food shop sort of like really specific sort of simple things like that and Tannis yeah so um actually adding on to that point as well I think it would be really crucial to highlight um using social media so Instagram I know a lot of students use Instagram and access all the uni university and the student union accounts on there um but also TikTok so maybe we can do a series on TikTok like Sal has said um highlighting these so maybe like it can be like a quick snippet of like here's a budget how you can do that um but with the um advice centre itself, I think it'd be really crucial to highlight it on Instagram, but also maybe having a thing like meet the advisors, because I know people have anxiety if they 
they won't book in with someone if they don't know them. I know I'm I'm the same. I sometimes if I, if I haven't met a person, I go like, oh, I don't know. But if maybe we can have a Instagram highlight or like a story post, just saying this is our advisor, um, just so then they know and they can see the friendly face before they book in. Um, and also with the cost of living, um, I think more promotion of the food cupboard um, on social media, but also perhaps a um, food drive. Um, so we can get teachers, lecturers, um, students to all donate, you know, even if it's like canopies, that sort of thing. And so we can start replenishing this food cupboard and then because obviously with cost of living growing higher and higher, more students aren't able to afford food. So I think this would be really crucial for well-being of the students. Lovely. Thanks both. So your next question is kind of a scenario based question. So you've just come out of a meeting where you've advocated for students in relation to the provision of out of hours support services. You feel that this is a vital issue for students. However, it seems that this is unlikely to move forward. What are your next steps? Hannes, if you could answer that question. Uh, yeah, of course. Um, so I would take a step back after this meeting and just think, OK, what can I do um, to help? Um, or get the union to do. So obviously getting out of hours services, you have to look at the budgets, um, funding, but also the employment of the student service advisors, if they're willing to stay after hours. If this is not possible, then I would look at the resources we have online. So for example, Shout, Nightline, um, Samaritans, and promote these services as just a thing for students to access in the meantime, while they can't speak to the student services team. Um, yeah, I think that's like, the best thing. Thank you. And Sal? Um, I think the important thing when we look at um, feedback given from students is to be incredibly realistic. Um, services like this um, are um, sort of really, really like well used by students. Um, but if you have a situation where you feel like you're trying and pushing for a campaign and you feel like that it's not really going anywhere, I feel like the main thing is communication with students. Um, it's really often that students give, you know, advice on things or they give, you know, something that they feel like they're like really like passionate about and they'd really like to see, such as like out of hours services. Um, but it's important for them to feel like that they're not left in the dark after giving um, like their feedback on something. Um, and also not to not to sort of like throw a negative on it. Um, but if it comes down to budgeting, if it comes down to just logistics, that something like this um, just isn't feasible for students is also really important. As Tanis mentioned, um, that students do make use of things like Nightline, like Shout, um, that those resources are available there um, and maybe look at sort of mitigating those sort of seeing how they be um, sort of like changed to benefit, to fit these students for what they like. Um, so just kind of changing what's already in place, um, promoting that, making that as best as it can be um, to fill in a gap that might be left um, due to sort of logistical reasons, um, that it would be a shame if something like this didn't go ahead is actually quite a nice idea. Sort of carry on forward. Lovely. So candidates, your last question this evening is timely release of assessment information and the availability of support to succeed are routinely noted as areas of concern for students. What would you do to enhance this aspect of student experience? 
Sal, if you could start us off. Um, I'd say having um, systems in place where there's actual deadlines for lecturers to meet, there's actual things in place um, for each assessment that students receive, um, every, like every bit of feedback that they get um, is fitting in to like a specific same consistent um, pattern. Um, so students, when they have an assessment, are sort of more aware that like with the sort of technical side so they can then focus on the assessment itself and then not have to worry about am I doing this right am I going to get it in on time am I actually going to get feedback on it or am I just putting in all this hard work for have to wait for about three months to get an assessment back um, I feel like personally from my perspective on my course I haven't felt um, like personal issues surrounding sort of like releases of assessments um, like the availability of getting extensions um, if that's needed to to students um, so I feel like that would be another thing that I have to uh, reach out and speak to students about and would be happy to um, because I feel like as assessments like are being you know the overarching thing of your degree um, that's you know that's the results of your hard work they're really really important um, as you know and if there's areas of concern sort of surrounding um like a student's submission of something or they're you know waiting um to contact those directly um to sort of work out issues um and that lecturers and sometimes um like examiners are kept to the same standard that students are um that they have the same expectations of there are deadlines there are things that we need to meet as as um as like as one so if everyone's putting in the same work then we can benefit. And Tanis? Yeah, um, so what I would do is I'd work on what, what would need to be improved. So whether it's feedback being released later, then we work with the faculties involved, holding them accountable, saying we, we need, like Sal says, we need this deadline. So, I, um, so students know, right, I've got two weeks and I should have my feedback back. back. <laughs> um, also, I'd like to add in the need of proper availability of marking criterias so students can know what they are. So in an essay based assessment, they know, right, if I write this and write that, then I should be getting a 2-1 because um, I know some um, some courses haven't got those readily available until after the feedback's been given out. Um, so I think that would be really beneficial for our students um, to have that when they start their assessments. Um, further, I would add um, that tutorials should be readily available um, so students can discuss feedback or before the assessment so um, they really have a good understanding of what they need to do um, whether it be before or what they can do in the future. Lovely so thank you so much to both of our candidates for Vice President Education and Welfare. If you want to hear more from any of the candidates or check out their manifestos we've posted a link to each of the candidate pages on our website in the description of the video so please do be sure to check out their manifestos listed on their page for more. So next up we have your Vice President Activities and Services candidates. But before we begin the speeches, um, here are all the candidates running for Vice President Activities and Services this year. So we have Emily Jane Aldridge-Snell, Harry Jones, and we also have Ron running as a candidate in all the elections, which stands for Reopen Nominations. So for the Q&A, the order for candidates to answer the questions has been chosen at random. 
So candidates, your first question is, how will you promote EDI, so equality, diversity and inclusion, work across both the activity zone and the services zone? And Harry, if you could start off by answering that question for us. Um, so I'd like to encourage the representational networks to work with groups within the activity zone, um, as well as the services zone, um, running events, that sort of thing, um, in order to promote engagement and awareness from their members, um, as well as from other members of the union. Um, as well as this, um, I'd like to encourage continued participation as campaigns such as rainbow laces, that sort of thing for other um, underrepresented groups. And Emily? Um, so I will continue work that has been done previously this year um, with our inclusion reps. So they are now mandatory, well, highly advised for all of our activity groups and they are massively EDI trained through us and the university. And um, so I would promote them out to activity groups again in the elections and ensure that every activity group is really, really pushing these out because they are super important to promote um, equality, diversity and inclusion. Um, I would also continue with the campaigns such as Rainbow Laces, um, Show Races and the Red Card, This Girl Can, um, Movember, everything like that. Uh, which sits in a bigger campaign that will be happening um, later on in the student union. Um, I would also ensure that we're having more varied events within the services zone, as I'm aware that not everyone is a big drinker, things like that, just to make it more inclusive to all. Um, and I'd also continue the Say No to Initiation campaign just to ensure that there is equal um, inclusion throughout. Both. So the next question is, what specifically will you do to encourage sports teams and societies to better engage with students from underrepresented groups? And Emily, if you could answer that question for us. So I would plan to set up an activity zone committee where we have representatives from sports teams, societies and representational networks so we can get people around the table um, and then they can collaborate there and get the representational networks really putting their voices across to all of our sports teams, societies and a bit of collaboration and intersectionality. Um, again, I would really push the inclusion reps as they are trained to, um, how to sort of um, involve underrepresented groups and how to be very, very inclusive and, and just to really encourage collaborative work across all of our activity groups. And Harry? Um, I'd like to encourage sort of guest speakers. Um, I believe the day we did with Aaron Phillips earlier in the year was really good, um, as well as obviously pushing the inclusivity reps within the sports teams. Um, and I'd like to encourage stronger links between the sports teams and societies and the, um, the representational networks um, in order to really sort of make some pathways where it's easier to transfer between those two groups um, sort of as a direct link between the two. Lovely. So your next question this evening is the cost of living crisis will continue to affect students in the coming year. So how will you support students facing cost barriers within your remit as Vice President Activities and Services? Harry. Um, so I'd like to aim to keep um, prices as low as possible in the union retail outlets. Obviously, that's got to be uh, commercially feasible, um, as well as the expansion of any financial support. Um, students who are unable to afford participating in sports teams and societies, um, as well as raising awareness of these schemes, because I know a lot of students aren't, um, aren't aware these schemes are available, just to really push on um, continue students' extracurricular activities, even if they are struggling financially. And Emily? So 
I would do a much bigger push on the participation fund that was originally created by a predecessor um, of past vice president activities to ensure that students that have additional barriers such as low income households and things like that aren't disadvantaged. But I'd look to expand that to also cover the cost of living crisis um, as it is a massive barrier to student participation this year. I would also look at um, getting more sponsorships for our sports team societies and representational networks that will help reduce the um, like kit costs, especially for our sports teams, um, as well as sort of covering extra things for our societies and representational networks. Um, and similar to Harry, I will also look at reducing costs in our shop, however, still making that commercially viable. Lovely. Um, so what do you consider to be the most pressing need for activity groups right now? And how do you plan on addressing it? Emily, if you could start us off by answering that question. As we've just spoken about, the cost of living crisis is a massive pressing issue for our activity groups as well as our um, wider student body, um, as well as travel costs for our activity groups to get to games. Um, if they do want to do any extracurricular activities, it is really, really stressful for them um, with a massive impact due to the travel costs and the cost of living crisis. So like I mentioned, I would increase the participation fund and bid the university to um, put a bit more money into that to ensure that students are getting the extra help that they need, as well as um, pushing our development fund that we have for our activity groups. Um, um, engagement as well I believe can be quite an issue for our activity groups it does tend to drop off throughout the year um, so hyping up um, sort of refreshes fair and putting a lot more promotion into that as well as throughout the year and um, with all of our various activity groups and Harry um, yeah I think participation is sort of the main issue affecting um, whether that's through sort of the difficulty of getting involved um, with things like the participation fund um, as well as um, I'd like to improve sort of communication between the union and um, sports teams, societies, representational networks um, in order for them to be able to put on as many events as possible, keep that engagement high um, throughout the year. Often it drops off because it's difficult for these, um, these groups to run events, that sort of thing. So, yeah, really trying to help them push every event they want to run. Lovely. Thanks, candidates. So your next question is, what one change would you like to implement next year to improve the services zone of the union? So that's our bar, our nightclub, our student union shop and our other services. And why would you like to implement this one change? Harry, if you could start us off. Um, so I think the main issue in the services zone at the moment is obviously the, um, sort of the lack of diversity in events that's going on. Um, so obviously there was a massive pushback this year with um, the sort of reduction in um, the size of control or delete. Um, obviously events have to remain commercially, commercially viable, but I'd like to sort of make a more diverse group. So rather than having sort of one event that happens on a Monday and it happens every Monday, I'd like to change that. So there's more sort of representation across um, all student interests. Um, so it might be sort of one event, uh, an event runs once each month um, to keep everything fresh um, and help all students sort of get involved around the union. And Emily? So first and foremost, I would do extensive research into what our student body want um, and what they would like to see within the services zone. Um, so that could be from events to our shops, um, bars, anything like that. Um, just getting the student impact and feedback into what they would actually like to see um, their services zone look like. Um, I would also look to run sort of cheaper cost events, um, especially within our freshest period, as that can be quite a big impact to students, especially with the current um, cost of living crisis. So I'd look into cheaper events, like Harry said, more diverse events and ensuring that we are putting on events that our students do want to see. Um, we have also received quite a lot of student feedback um, in terms of having more essentials in the shop and having it obviously cost effective. So I would also look into sort of reshaping our shop into having more essentials and it being um, more value to students. 
Lovely. So the next question um, has been submitted by one of our history students who would like to know how will you promote all societies equally on your social media accounts? Emily, if you could start us off. Something that has already been implemented this year that I would like to continue um, is activity group in the spotlight. So our activity groups can apply to do this. Um, it's just a first come first serve basis and they do a takeover of the Instagram. It's just to boost engagement and participation within that particular um, activity group. So I'll continue that and ensure that it is fair across all of our activity groups. Um, so offering out to sports teams, representational networks and societies. And um, Harry? Yeah, I think, um, as Emily said, um, the society takeovers, um, representational network takeovers on the Instagram are really powerful. Um, I'd also like to promote more non-competitive sports events on, um, on our um, social media platform. I know a lot of those guys feel really sort of underrepresented. Um, there's a big focus towards box teams. Um, however, I'd like to sort of push more non-competitive sports because not everyone, um, not all students are interested in the sort of high level competitive sports. So really making those societies um, feel valued as part of the student body be really helpful. Excellent. Um, candidates, your next question is, what is your position on relationships with local organisations and the community? If elected, what will your priorities be in relation to this? Harry, if you could start us off. Um, yeah, I think building relationships with the local community is really important. Um, obviously, it allows us to do a lot, of, a lot more things outside of um, the university campus. Um, these, uh, I'd really like to build these, especially between sports teams with the use of local facilities, that sort of thing, um, as well as the representational networks and societies being able to run events off campus. Um, obviously, they've got a much broader range of facilities in the local area than what we have on campus. So um, building those links will really help with everyone being able to participate in the events they want to see. And Emily? I think that having positive relationships with local organisations and the wider community is so, so important. Students obviously um, sometimes get a bit of a negative view from residents around the university due to noise pollution, things like that. But our students do incredible things. So it is really, really important that we showcase this with our students to the local organisations and the community. Um, so, for example, a lot of raising and giving happens through charities that are in the local community and the wider Hampshire area as well. So we do already have a well-established connection with um, charities and I would just look to boost that and get a little bit more intersectionality with them coming onto campus um, and doing a little bit more face-to-face -face with our students in terms of raising and giving and we also do have some incredible relationships with um, businesses in town through our sponsorships of sports teams and I know that is really 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 um, sort of helpful for them in terms of money and to have a really good relationship with the local community and um, so I would look to um, continue that and develop it as much as we possibly can again help with the cost of living crisis but it also gets that positive view of our students out there as well as supporting local businesses in this very much needed time um, as well as community action um, so for example we have done litter picks in the past which put out a very 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 um, positive in view of our students and the incredible work they do so look to continue and develop that thank you candidates so next up we have the question um, about uh, committees so how will you ensure that committees are effectively trained and supported throughout the academic year to lead their activity groups emily what's your response to that question this year um, we have made strides already within our activity group committee trainings and um, with the introduction of buck specific training um, and it's probably the most detailed training that our activity groups can get but I would love to implement a little bit more um, with a committee handbook so that there is also always something that our students can refer back to um, and they've just got a hard copy of what is expected of them and um, rules and things like that just to save um, them sort of getting a little bit stressed and overwhelmed by their roles and responsibilities they always have something there to refer back to um, as well that's something that's been 
introduced this year is committee roundup. So I would continue that fortnightly to get out to all of our activity group committees and with important information that they need to be aware of, which helps them be effective and supportive within their committee role. And as well to continue our catch ups that we have implemented as well this year to get everyone in the room, do a quick refresher and get across any information that they need to be aware of. And Harry? Um, I really like to continue current committee training um, as it is. I think there's a lot of really good detail in there. Um, however, I'd also like to run optional leadership training and team building workshops, um, as well as um, inclusivity training that committees already receive, just because the people who are on those committees really want to, they've taken the opportunity to develop their skills and help out their peers. Um, I'd really like to be able to train them up, um, help them to really sort of go really much deeper in that role, um, really explore lots of the opportunities that are available. Lovely. So your next question is there's often a negative perception from students in relation to union activities and drinking culture. What actions will you take to change this perception? Harry? Um, I'd really like to continue with the um, best bar none scheme that we already run. Um, I think that really helps students feel safe both um, in on-campus facilities and around the town. Um, also um, the safety bus scheme, I'd really like to expand that um, that often will help build a relationship with the local community as well. Students getting home safely and respectfully is sort of the main priority, um, not sort of interrupting those people who aren't involved in those events and people around the area. And Emily? I think it's key to put across that although we do run various events within the union, they aren't all um, drink orientated events. So I would look to develop and advertise a little bit more widely our non-drinking orientated events, such as our weekly quiz. Um, I would also look to continue the Say No to Initiations campaign um, that ensures that all of our students are comfortable and aware that they are able to say no and that we don't endorse initiations at the student union. Um, and as well, I would also Sorry, I forgot my point. Yes, yeah, so I would like to continue that scheme um, as well. We have a campaign that we run called Silent Students Happy Homes, which encourages all of our students to walk home quietly from the venue, and which then again also puts out a positive image of them to the local community as they are being respectful on their journey home from our events. Lovely. So your final question this evening, candidates, is a scenario based question. So you've just come out of a meeting where you've advocated for students in relation to the need for more facilities. You feel that this is a vital issue for students. However, it seems that this is unlikely to move forward. What are your next steps? Emily. I think it'd be really, really important following that meeting, um, depending on who was in the room, um, to set up a private meeting with the chief operating officer um, to discuss the position on the matter, although it might have sort of seemed in the meeting that it's unlikely to move forward, just to get a firm ground and a firm stance of where we stand on that issue. Um, if there is no movement and there is a massive resistance from the university to move forward with this, um, I would go back to the student body and lobby the university to highlight the issue and campaign with them to advocate the need for their facilities. And finally, Harry. Um, yeah, I think obviously if the uh, if it wasn't moving forward, I'd be looking at sort of plan B's, working with relationships with the local community, seeing if any of those facilities are available elsewhere um, in a cost effective and obviously an accessible manner. Um, I really think that sort of going outside of the university for some of these facilities is a great way to keep costs down uh, for both the university and the union. Um, and it helps really sort of encourage sports participation um, around the local area outside of just our university societies. Um, it can really help get people into groups within Winchester um, outside of their time on campus. Lovely. Well, thank you so much to our Vice President Activities and Services candidates. I hope you've, I hope you've enjoyed hearing from them. And if you want to find out more about either of the candidates or check out their manifestos, we've posted a link to each of the candidate pages in the comment section of the video.
So last up today, we have our student officer candidates. Before we begin the speeches, here are all the candidates running for student officer this year. So we have Glenn Craker, Jennifer Crowdy, Kayla Ellington, and Alexandra Wilson. And we also have Ron running as a candidate in all the elections, which stands for reopen nominations and can be voted for as a valid candidate in all our elections. Candidates, your first question is, what is one change you would like to implement next year to improve the Winchester Student Union experience? Alex, if you can answer that first for us. Yes, I can. Um, uh, my main kind of point um, for improving the Student Union would be in terms of improving the start and like the end of the university experience. So I'd like to introduce um, something to support students who have just started potentially in their like freshers week so they just kind of have a bit of idea on how to like live by themselves and alongside that the same with the end of the student union experience well the student experience and it meaning that um, students know what to do when they finish uni like for example we're planning to get for like jobs like graduate schemes and stuff like that just to kind of give a bit more support with the start and the end of the uni because obviously we've got so much for the student experience that is it'd be nice to like just give that final push for like when we need to like think about our futures and also for when we start uni. Thanks Alex. Kayla, what's your response to that question? Um, there's something that I'd like to look at is the improving of communication and connection with local community and um, see what can be done to help, as Alex has said, you know, help students really settle into the local community because a lot of them will have moved you know, away from home or will have moved to an unfamiliar un town and that kind of thing. Just helping students make sure that they feel that they can get involved with anything that's going on in, for example, you know, the local community such as a cathedral or anything like that. So that there's a clear link between, you know, the university itself, but also the town in which they're living. And Jenny? Uh, so one change I would like to see implemented is um, basically to uh, give students a greater sense of uh, empowerment from the start of the academic year all the way to the end of the academic year. So, for example, uh, making sure that um, during Freshers' Week and the start of the academic year that uh, not just undergraduates, but mature and postgraduate students as well have opportunities to be empowered through joining societies or having opportunities to get involved in different events um, and also giving students the opportunity to empower themselves in different ways. Uh, for example, one thing I would like to collaborate with the Student Union of elected is to bring some kind of form of the Student Fellow Scheme that was previously initiated in which students could do a research project of their choice to address an issue uh, with their course or life as a student. And I think it's also about giving them uh, event opportunities such as not just the student recharge days for mental well-being, but also things such as uh, having a kind of almost like playing creativity day to empower themselves to follow their own interests and creativity and having the space to kind of just explore what interests they have. And Glenn. Oh, sorry. Um, I think the um, my focus would be on the student experience specifically with like events and societies. I know that the SU itself isn't the best that advertising something isn't bop. Um, and being someone who personally doesn't enjoy BOP, I think the ESU could do a better job at advertising other events. And then also with societies, I think encouraging more, 
how can I say this? Um, not mixing, but uh, basically uh, socializing between societies so that um, uh, each society can kind of grow and people can find what society suits them. I, again, through uni, have really enjoyed the societies and I would love everyone to also find something that they love. Lovely. So, <laughs> so candidates, your next question is, how will you work to engage and represent all student demographics, but not just your typical full-time undergraduate student aged 18 to 21? Kayla, could you answer that question for us? Sure, thank you. Um, well, something that I think is quite important is that mental health, no matter what, no matter which year you are, um, whether it be, you know, an undergraduate, a postgraduate, you know, a mature student, something, especially for those who, you know, are coming back into education again, I think it's really important to consider, you know, supporting them in their um, working and in, in their studying, making sure that they feel that they can come to the student union or to the university full stop and raise any of the points that they think could be you know better looked at so whether it be a case of bear with me sorry my brain's sort of working quite fast um whether it be a case of looking at how they can have their own student um student what's the word improved experience improved um because obviously a lot of things are catered towards those who are just leaving secondary school and going into um education again having perhaps maybe had a gap here and maybe taken a little bit of a break but it's important to consider the fact that those who you know have taken a, a lifetime potentially and come back in later they may feel just as much of a fish out of water as those who are new to the experience and so just making sure that they feel they're able to say whatever's on their mind or feel that they can raise, you know, I don't feel supported because I cannot understand the technology or I can't understand you know, certain aspects that aren't necessarily thought of as important straight off the bat because it's kind of expected that in this digital world we get used to technology, we get used to everything really fast. That may not be the case for everyone and it may not be the case even for the international students who are new to the country and therefore, you know, don't know what's how to interact necessarily with everyone else and may feel more separated from everyone and therefore just making sure that it's clear to them that they can come to you know whether it be the, the advice team or the student union or the investor themselves and feel that they can say whatever is on their mind and feel supported by the university and jenny um, so I'm fortunate enough to be a student who represents several of these demographics. So as a mature postgraduate and commuting student and uh, the three most common issues that I've come across in my experience is that um, students in these demographics sometimes face isolation, difficulty to um, be part of different social events or opportunities at the university. And they find that there are typically less initiatives tailored towards these students. So one of the things I aim to do if elected is to um, uh, make the time to speak to students uh, both in morning and evening times not just the typical nine to five uh, that a lot of students uh, that are undergraduate can typically be able to do uh, communicating with all the representational networks so the mature and part-time network postgraduate research network and commuting network and also helping the student union uh, plan or collaborate on creating events or activities from the voices and input of those students as well and Glenn I think um, Jenny put it best with uh, kind of emphasising the importance of support of, um, of the uh, student networks. 
um, and um, potentially trying to collaborate with the SU on events that include them. But I think just in general, making them feel comfortable and welcome. As a mature student myself, like I'm, have been very fortunate to have known already known people that go here when I started here. But I know for other people it could potentially be difficult. But yeah, just keeping a welcoming and welcoming atmosphere to make them feel comfortable. But yeah. And finally, Alex. Sorry, just unmuting the mic. Um, yeah, what's been said already, like I totally agree with, especially with um, Jenny worded it quite beautifully. Um, obviously, I think the most important thing is to know exactly what they want, because it's all well and good for me to say, yeah, like, I'm going to do this and that, but until I fully know like how I can engage and represent, which obviously we've got the camp uh, campaign week to do so, I'd like to actively like discuss and talk with um, this demographics to make sure that I'm not just supporting the undergraduates. I think, yeah, the best point, of course, is to obviously communicate with them. My main ideas at the moment is particularly to do with events, because I'd like to personally tailor like more events. Because obviously, we've got all these lovely evening events. It'd be nice to have some more things in the day, including the like stuff like the Recharge Festival. But obviously, we do closed drives and stuff like that, which obviously um, happen on like day. But sometimes if they land on the same days, it would be nice if we could move stuff around so that it wasn't just the same day each week. So it means that different demographics can engage and it just means that we're reaching more of a, a larger audience basically but yeah that's kind of my proposal thank you candidates okay so your next question is the cost of living crisis will continue to affect students in the coming year how will you support students facing cost barriers jenny if you could answer that question for us uh, yes, thank you. So um, many students, including myself, as have uh, issues with the cost of living. Uh, in my manifesto, I made clear that one of the things I was very aware of was digital poverty and uh, a lack of access to uh, technological resources. Uh, so one of the things I really would love to do with the student union is to better establish uh, opportunities of online events to do for students that may have trouble commuting or aren't able to access something at certain times, um, and also to evaluate how we can support students with technology both with educational extracurricular ways and also if there's any possibility of signposting students to resources they can access that are low cost or free uh, a final thing i just want to quickly mention is that one thing that i also mentioned in my manifesto which i would love to work on is the development of a, a well-being resource pack which may give students examples of how to address the cost of living because i found with a lot of um, issues to that to deal with cost of living it's all about actually being signposted to that um, and that would be a great uh, way to do so. And Glenn? Sorry. Um, again, I think Jenny put it quite well, um, kind of emphasising, or not emphasising, but uh, kind of, oh God, oh God, my brain right now. <laughs> um, kind of uh, online schemes, like online events, rather, um, can, for people who cannot afford to come in or can't afford to go to just standard events. And also, I cannot remember the name of it, but 
I remember there was a scheme this year that I, th I think there was a scheme this year that the SU was doing for um, uh, low costs uh, food or something. I cannot remember, but basically supporting that as well would be something that I would want to do. And I'd want to kind of um, emphasize, I guess. And Alex? Hey, um, yeah, so uh, I completely understand the cost of living. I'm pretty sure everybody does. But in terms of I am actually a student at the moment who doesn't currently get any maintenance loan. And I know a lot of people, especially international students, who unfortunately don't receive the same opportunities because they don't have residency in the UK. Obviously, I know that's a struggle, but I think the emphasis should really be on equal opportunities for all students, especially international students. And I think there should definitely be a reach out into supporting them as well, but obviously making sure that we have the facilities to support it. Um, I know the SU have been absolutely brilliant with their clothes drives, with their um, shelf, their food bank shelf, for, ex for example. I think there should definitely, and obviously our research, uh, not research, our um, participation uh, activity funds from the activities services. But I think there needs to definitely be more a bigger highlight on these um, things, but uh, also um, with also ensuring that societies are making uh, smarter choices in terms of um, expenses. I know that obviously insurance is a very, very important matter, but where things can be reduced, for example, like costumes and um, equipment, which uh, societies are expected to pay for, I think there should be better education and supporting societies to make smarter choices. Um, also with that ensuring that the uh, student services and the student union are properly funded, because I know that the student services at the moment are unfortunately quite understaffed and it's hard to support students when we haven't got the services to support that. So I think there definitely needs to be better research and support in order to support the cost of living and also ensuring that we can signpost people to the correct and, and hopefully better funded experiences. And finally, Kayla. Marvellous. Um, just to follow on from what Alex is saying, because you raised some really good points. Um, something that it isn't necessarily clear is how much support the student union is able to give. So, for example, I know that there's currently the fund going and, as you say, the, the food drive and the, the clothes drives. Um, just ensuring that students are consistently directed towards and signposted towards things that can help them. So I know that sometimes they do put at the end of emails, you know, by the way, there is this going on or there is this scheme going on. I think if it's just encouraged, then uh, students will feel more likely that they can actually engage with them and actually access them because they may not necessarily realise that that's the case. Um, so it's just a case of putting out more on social media or whatever it is, just to make sure that it's definitely clear that they do have the backing of the student union and the backing of the university whilst we experience this cost of living crisis. Thank you. So candidates, your final question this evening, how would you make it easier for students to speak up and be heard? Glenn, if you can answer that for us. I think one way that could be very useful is through an anonymous means. I know like through a online um, kind of what's the name of it uh, <laughs> um, submissions box for um, uh, feedback or ideas or whatever I know um, uh, 
I know one of the things that kind of deters people is the fact that they feel uncomfortable sub, um, kind of submitting uh, 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 kind of uncomfortable kind of speaking up because they feel they might be talked down to. So I feel like emphasizing that um, what they are saying is being said in an environment that is just free of judgment through anonymity would be a useful kind of thing for students to voice their concerns and voice their ideas. Um, but also, I've got the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. And Alex. Um, I think definitely the first way is to make sure people know how to speak up, but obviously there should be uh, basically the psychology student that I am that I know there's obviously different ways to, um, you know, to research and basically find out how people want to communicate. But I think definitely I know we have like online drop in. I think it'd be great if we could have just like a like a box or something in the SU where people can anon anonymously write their concerns about the issue and potentially the issue in some way can address this on a like live like it's just like stars obviously we do feedback loop in that instance why can't us as the issue do the same sort of thing with like a response of a Q&A the same way that we're doing now um, additionally I think obviously we're doing it online but also focus groups and stuff like that ensuring that people have a point of call to communicate and it means that it's not just us talking, it's not always like the board talking, it means that we can have an overview from stars, we can have an overview from just students who feel like they have something that could contribute to the difference of the SU, especially with like events and stuff. Um, it means that we're avoiding like people communicating in the wrong places, it means that at least that they know that their first point of call was to come to the SU and that's where things get fixed. And Kayla? Yeah, just to follow on from your point, Alex, about focus groups, something that, you know, I'm part of the music centre and something that we did recently, just even if it's sort of a, a termly or a semesterly kind of thing, um, so that people can feel like, you know, they have a place that they can come and say, you know, this is how I'm feeling, this is what I want to be put in, without being judged or being felt like, you know, what they're saying isn't right or isn't useful. Um, equally, making use of social media as well, feeling like, they if, if people feel that they can reach out to uh, you know any member of the team on within the um the student union having that connection having that personal connection really makes a difference people feel you know more able to talk when they feel that they're being listened to for one but also for two that they have a person that they can speak to you know they have someone that understands them is willing to back their corner that kind of thing so just ensuring that we can be there if we're elected we can be there to make sure that people feel that they can be supported and have a voice in what they want to say and finally jenny uh, i completely agree with all the other candidates and i think one of the things that definitely resonates for all of us is that when it comes to making sure students can be heard uh, variety is the spice of life so making sure that it's not just you know the occasional in-person drop-in but making sure it's uh having opportunities for in-person drop-ins online drop-ins uh one-to-one -one opportunities so there may be some students who might be too shy a bit too nervous to speak amongst others or feel they may get lost in the crowd um and again also just making sure that the times are flexible 
flexible for students as well because there may be some who can only make it at a lunchtime in between lectures or maybe there's a mature student who wants to speak out that can only do six o'clock after they finished work um so yeah so i would just say um you know just to make sure that um well um yeah to make sure that they can be speak spoke sorry make sure they can be heard in a variety of ways not just in one or two uh, different ways Thank you all so much to all of our candidates and thank you for listening to our Not Just Bob podcast special for our candidate Q&A this year. A reminder that voting is open, closing at 3pm on Friday the 3rd of March. As Tiff said earlier, be sure to check your Unimail email where you'll have received a direct link to cast your vote without having to log in. Or you can visit our website winchesterstudents.co.uk forward slash vote. Amazing. Thanks, Dan. And yeah, you can read all of the candidate manifestos and check out each of their candidate pages. Find out more about um, everyone who's running in the elections um, on our website by visiting winchesterstudents.co.uk forward slash candidates 23. So that is the end of our candidate Q&A. Thank you to everyone for watching along with us. Uh, do remember to use your vote to decide who your next elected officer team will be here at Winchester Student Union.